following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Yeah, welcome to Get Paid, your source for gambling, fantasy, and daily fantasy advice. We are proud partners of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. You're listening to Sean and Brad. Brad, say what's up, my brother. What's up, Sean? Oh, not much. Just starting a podcast, Brad, as a matter of fact. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking NFC North. There's been a lot of offseason movement, obviously, in the NFL. Uh, We're going to be talking futures. We're going to be talking a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of player projection, who we think will pop. Uh, But before we get into that, since this this is the first episode, the first installment of Get Paid, I wanted to uh, give a quick introduction. So some of you may know me. I also host the Functional Sportsaholic, which is also on the the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. Um, I run, if you listen to that show, you know I run Gold Standard Sports Forecasting. Long story short, we're over 67% accurate in our NFL predictions uh, for the last three years. We're over 64% accurate in our NBA predictions over the last four years. I run a number of algorithms to produce those results. So bottom line, if you listen to us, if you're a better, you're going to cash in. Uh, I'm here with everyone's favorite slashy. Uh, if you're not familiar with that reference, it's a Zoolander reference. Everybody's favorite model slash actor, Brad. Brad, what's going on, man? What's up, Sean? First of all, quite the intro. If I did not receive an introduction like that, I don't know if we could have moved on with this podcast. So thank you very much. Brad, um, when I when when you're involved, I always bring my best. I bring my A you game. Do. No B game do. here. Nothing better than my 120% will do. No, you're the man, and your 120 is amazing. And firstly, I just want to say that it is a pleasure and honor to be here with you, my beautiful friend. You're a beautiful person inside and out, and thank you to all the listeners for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. Uh, That's nice, but I feel like you being a a legit model, not a foot model, by the way. It's not like we're we're looking at your hands and your cuticles. They actually show your face. For you to tell me I'm beautiful, I actually kind of feel like you're – you're you're eating at me a little bit. It's kind Sean? of like I know I know it comes from a good place, but really you just make me want to punch you in the face. So. <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. You have a very you have one of those faces that I want face. to punch. No, men hate my face. It's a it's a real thing. I've lived with it for a long time now, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm due one right across the chin. I promise you that. <laughs> very good. So uh, for our listeners, Brad and Brad, I don't even know if you know this, but you actually introduced me to gambling. I did. You Is that did. Right? So we were work. Brad and I worked uh, worked together. We've known each other for what about ten years now, give or take. I'd say so. Yeah, actually more than more than, and um, yeah. So like we used to hang out, and Brad was the only one in our group to have the Sunday ticket. So we would all go over there, and Brad had a few TVs going. He always had the Packers uh, on the big screen, and then you know the rest of us would would fight over the other TVs. You know, like rats fighting over crumbs in a kitchen. Yeah. Um, you know, usually I would have the Redskins on and one of the other TVs and, and us being from uh, at that point, we were all living in Orlando. There were a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers games um, on. So a lot I of 13 to 16 finishes in those things. I did give you guys the scraps TV. But, Sean, this is the type of person I am. I introduced the people closest to me to things like cigarettes, drugs, gambling, etc. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure, buddy. Um, Listen, you're very good at this gambling thing, so I wish I could take credit for that, but I'm uh, 
I'm happy to introduce you to it. Well, like a lot of people and, and maybe some of the listeners coming in, it, it, uh, you learn from pain, right? And I'm going to be coming out with a book, you know, again, if you listen to our other podcast, I have a fantasy football almanac available on Amazon and, um, you know, on our, on our website and everything, but I'm going to be coming out with kind of like a, like an intro to sports betting. And I'm really just kind of telling the story about how I sucked. It's how I just sucked real bad at betting. And really it was just my way of giving money, um, to, to sports books. Uh, it was, I may as well just given it to charity. Um, I should have frankly, uh, because I certainly didn't uh, reap any benefits from the bets, but over that time and over that pain, you know, you start to learn a system, you start to learn a few tricks, you start to notice a few patterns in these, in these sports. And, you know, at the, at the, at the point I'm at now, anything with a point spread, um, you know, I, I can gamble on it. Even if, uh, you know, even if it's a game at LA Fitness or something, I want you to pick up basketball game. If there's a spread, baby, I can hit it. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's such as life. With anything we do, you have to be willing to suck at it first, as mm. you put it so eloquently. And you grow and you learn and you're able to to reach higher levels of satisfaction and, and success. So um So first you suck, then you grow. Then you grow. Exactly. You grow. First you suck and then it grows. It sucks and it cuts. <laughs> and it grows. Yeah, yeah, and it grows. So, um, you know, also, you know, we'll, we'll be getting into the NFC North, like I said, um, just a second. But, you know, you're probably going to hear a lot of Seinfeld references between Brad uh, and myself. I, I don't think I know another person with such an index of Seinfeld <laughs> um, information, you know, other than Brad and, and, and myself, I, I put myself in that category, but I have to say, Brad, you definitely beat me, uh, beat me where Simon <laughs> Thank you very much. And that, you know, it pleases me to hear that it, but it's definitely one of the sicknesses of many that we both share. And I'm very <laughs> proud of that. At <laughs> the affliction. All right. So with that said, let's dig into the NFC North. I like to go alphabetically um, in this situation. You know, when we're in the regular season, we're going to split the podcast into different segments. So we're probably going to start with the the fantasy and the player projections, and then we'll dig into the against the spread stuff and our forecasts uh, in a second or third segment. Uh, but since we don't have any games to discuss, we'll just jump into the divisions and, and put together a nice witch's brew of gambling and fantasy awesomeness um so let's start with the bears brad uh and you know I, I should say the reason we started with the nfc north as well uh we, i mentioned brad had the the packers games on when we had those football parties back in the day uh, brad is a huge packers fan and he's been a packers fan i would say through the lean years but honestly you've, you've had brett Favre at quarterback you've had aaron Rodgers at quarterback i don't know of the meat of the lean years i don't know if you were Gosh, I can't even remember the guy's, uh, the quarterback's name. Um, it was like a... Don Mikowski. Mikowski, yeah. Um, before him, I want to say... Not Lynn Dickey. What? Um, yeah, but they were very, very lean for about 20 years. And actually, I am one of the most fortunate sports fans ever. Because the very first year, I must have been... In 1992, I want to say I was 11 or 12, and I started watching with my father. Two and a half games into the season, Brett Favre comes in, and he is all I knew for 16 years. And it was just a privilege and sometimes a depressing <laughs> horror to be able to watch him. But he he had a magic to him, and he was vulnerable. So even when he was messing up, so to speak, it was so infectious that it was one of the best experiences of my life. And then I got to go from watching Brett Favre 
to watching maybe one of the most precise quarterbacks to ever mm -hmm. play the game, Aaron Rodgers. So yes, it's been a, a very fortunate experience for me. So I, I do want to I want to go on record here because we were working together during that Favre to Rogers transition, that famous right. offseason where, where Favre retired for maybe the eighth or ninth time. And finally, the Packers are like, OK, uh, it's time for us to move on. And then, you know, Favre kind of did the Favre thing where he, he was walking that back and he wanted to play. And everybody in the office was giving you garbage because, you know, they, they saw the drama. They, they, they saw kind of blood in the water. But yeah. I knew, Brad, didn't I? Didn't I know? You did. You were the only one to say, and I will give you complete credit, you were the only one that said, you need to go with Rodgers. He is going to be the man. And everybody else was dogging me. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't see it. Um, he'd never even really played a full game before. And all I knew was Brett, and I was sad. And you, you called Rodgers. Well Amen. done. Yeah, and I will say um, that same offseason, um, since we're talking fantasy too, in my in my dynasty league, I made a quick trade for Aaron Rodgers, and I got him on the low. Um, and that's what this show is all about. We're about finding value. Uh, we're about you know identifying the players that are going to pop. We're about giving you that competitive advantage in fantasy. We're about finding that sleeper in daily fantasy. And of course, we are about breaking the bank, breaking your bookie's will, Absolutely. and winning some money. All yes. right, so back to the Bears. So last year, and I live in Chicago now. Brad, Brad's in Miami. We both moved on from Orlando. Um, but I'm in Chicago, and all I've heard for the last couple of years is how bad of a coach John Fox is, and he doesn't put his players in positions to succeed and all that. And, you know, I, I agree with that um, to a degree. Um, from my opinion, and Brad, you know, let me know what you think, but I always thought that John Fox was a good like starter coach. He's he's somebody that if you're in an awful situation, he's going to bring de um, discipline, uh, obviously to your defense, but to your organization. You're going to start to get loaded on talent. He can coach the talent really well. He can bring and, and groom players along, but you're probably never going to get to that next level. Norv Turner is very much like that to me as well. Uh, there are some similarities, I agree, between Norv Turner and um, what's his name again, Sean? Fox. Fox, John Fox, sorry. Um, yeah, there are some similarities between John Fox and Norv Turner. And if you're going to start asking me if I could label him as bad or he's good, I mean, when you think about it, how many coaches out there can you really do that for? Okay, for example, maybe Belichick you can look at and say great, and then everybody else you can give shit. I mean, right. people I know closest to me look at Mike McCarthy who has a very good winning percentage and they dog him and they knock him for his decisions. Now, what I will tell you is you're asking me if John Fox is a good coach. What I'm going to say is, did he do a good job at Chicago? And you have to say, in my opinion, that he did not. Um, I'm not sure he won more than, was it six games in a season was his peak? Sure. Okay, so he was there for multiple years. You know, they were never anything to contend with. And not even close. Um, does that mean he's horrible and cannot coach in the NFL? No, because he's been hired multiple times for a reason, and he has had some success. Um, I don't think he deserved to stay in Chicago, mm -hmm. and I think it was a really smart move by them um, to make a change at the helm. Yeah, and— 
Yeah, I, I, I agree, but I also slightly disagree with that because, I mean, did should he have been fired? Yeah, I think it was time to make that move. Um, but I think the time to make the move was more of a result of what we saw from Trubisky last year. And I have, I think I might write this in a piece in the Almanac as well, but what I say is, you know, my theory on, on hiring a head coach, generally I favor offensive coordinators. Yeah. Uh, and I favor that because you generally get in the game, you get a more defensive, or I'm sorry, you get a more offensive and more aggressive um, scheme, uh, and and the teams are always trying to score points. And Correct. then you know after that, you know they they try to tidy up the defense. A lot of coaches will just kind of give ownership of the defense to a, a hot shot defensive coordinator. It what um, what bothers me about Fox, or what I should say, what bothered me about Fox was you know Mitch Trubisky had a game last year where he threw and attempted under ten passes. Right, right. I mean, you have a rookie quarterback. You know, they, they, they signed Glenn in last offseason. Um, you know, they, they yank him after like three or four games or whatever it was. It might have even been less than that, to be honest with you. Um, and then they put Trubisky in. And, you know, does he have it? Does he not? The, the reality is we don't know because we didn't see enough. And we didn't okay. see enough because John Fox was trying to win games um, just by kind of slugging it out, running the ball. They had a very talented running game. Um, and they had a good defense. I mean, they have players. They do. They do have players on defense. But it, Trubisky was never going to reach his potential under Fox, and that was just obvious by the end of the year. So I was all for getting rid of him. But the one thing I will say, and this is, I think, where maybe you and I disagree a little bit, is I think he did a really good job in some of the aspects, and maybe we can find some common ground there. The defense is, is feisty. It's a feisty defense. They got talent, and they play teams tough. And so now when Matt Nagy comes in and he's bringing the Andy Reid system, uh, he has a defense, and they kept Fangio to uh, to run the defense. So they're, they're going to keep that group and the coaching staff and the scheme intact. And now they're just trying to add points to an already tough team. I think you know they're, they're going to be underrated this year. Skybook has them at six and a half wins over under for the whole season. Um I don't know. I mean, that's 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 an intriguing line. I could see them winning seven or eight games if things line up right. What are your you thoughts? Know, I, I can say that it's possible. Look, they do have a good defense, and they don't have the worst roster in the league, okay? And John Fox not letting Trubisky sling the rock um, causes us to not know what he's got, but maybe John Fox knew what he had. He had to have known that the game was too big for him, at least in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be improvements. Now, Matt Nagy, uh, he's never been a head coach, um, but he was the quarterback's coach for five seasons in KC. And he got some good production there out of a rather, I would say, mundane to average quarterback. Okay, They've had some, some good years there. Um, I think he could bring Trubisky along. Is it possible that they could hit the over as far as win total. Anything is possible. I'm not going to say it's probable. I think they fall in the five or six range. Um, Trubisky's got a long way to go. So you, if you, you know, if you had to make a bet, you're betting the under on the on the Bears. Okay, I would. And let's consider the division. Okay, they're going to face Super Bowl contender Green Bay twice. They're going to face Super Bowl contender Minnesota twice. Mm -hmm. They're going to uh, face Detroit Lions, who any given day could beat anybody in the league. 
even though at the end of the day they're the Lions, they are still a tough out. I could see them going 0-6, 1 for 5 in their own division. And that does not bode well for anybody's chances um, to feel good about themselves, to make the playoffs, or feel successful, especially a young, inexperienced quarterback. Yeah, you know, so I had a conversation with who we call the Wolf of Tarpon Springs, uh, Hayes, and we were talking about the um, the NFC South, and and you and I, you know, we'll, we'll come through and we'll do a whole episode on it. But the the remark I made to him about this was, any division in the NFC, you could make an argument is the best division in the NFC, and that's what I, I think I'm more excited about this upcoming NFC, NFL season because of that NFC. I have no idea who's going to be the well. Okay, that's that's a lie. I have some idea who's going to be the best team, but. Um, it wouldn't shock me if, if other teams kind of make a run and everything, but yeah, that's part of what this podcast is going to do. We're going to unearth some things. Now, one quick point you touched on, you know, the bears do have talent. So in our ranking system, and I should say, I guess the, the functional sportsaholic ranking system, we have the bears in terms of team talent. Now this isn't a win projection here. This is just in terms of team talent ranked against other team talents. We actually have them ranked 13th. And I'm not going to go into the, kind of the math behind it, but I'll, I will say it's a composite of, you know, uh, scouting grades. It's a composite of uh, offensive and defensive performance, special team performance from last year. And then there's also, and I think this is the key component to predicting wins, uh, there's a, a heavy weight on how good the quarterback is. And the, the truth is right now, Trubisky, like I said, we don't know if he has it. We don't know if he doesn't. There's a lot on Matt Nagy's shoulders to, to see if we can bring him along, to see if you know they can have the same type of output that Sean McVay and Goff had last year in Los Angeles with the Rams. We don't know what it's going to be, but I have Trubisky at 31 in the quarterback ranking right now. Yeah, you know what? I would agree. It's going to be an uphill battle for them. Uh, the games I watched Trubisky uh, play, he didn't seem to have much. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very successful year for them. Yeah, and I have, and, and to just kind of put a bullet on that point as well, quarterback, the Bears have the quarterback advantage. And basically what that is is, you know, you put quarterback ranking for quarterback ranking in all the games of the year. They only have... Um, an advantage, I think, in one game, and there's only kind of equal footing in three games. So out of 16 games, I have the Bears uh, a, a quarterback either equal or weaker to their own talent. Uh, in terms of team talent, I give them the advantage of 10 of their games. Uh, so, you know, the way I, I look at things and the way I compile these rankings, I, I do three things. I take the uh, their talent advantage totals, which is 10, I take their quarterback advantage or equal to a total, which is three. I put those together and I, I get an average. And wouldn't you know it, it's right on that line. It's six and a half wins. Now, I also figure in, and we'll get to this in the AFC East, I also figure in a coaching tactical challenge. But because Matt Nagy is a new coach, I can't give them any bonus or, uh, or subtract any wins for them uh, based on tactical prowess. So my number on them is six and a half. It's a push. So I personally, I stay away. Um, from betting, but once again, Brad is the under. But in terms of fantasy now, Matt Nagy's system is going to be interesting because he's implementing the Andy Reid system. Uh, First-time head coach. He hadn't even been a coordinator for that long, but you know he's one of these up-and-comers. And again, we saw this with Sean McVay last year, and you know Shanahan had an impact certainly after he had Garoppolo 
um, in San Francisco last year. But there are these teams that are going towards and gravitating towards younger offensive head coaches. But the thing I find interesting from a personnel point of view is the impact that uh, it will have on Jordan Howard and Tarek Cohen. But what are your thoughts on the running game, Brad? I know you watched a lot of Bears last year. You know, the running game is is very efficient. Um, it's very successful. Um, I believe that that combo was ranked uh, fifth or sixth uh, out of the 32 teams in the NFL, uh, which is pretty high, pretty good. Uh, that being said, without the threat of a passing game, um, it's going to be very easy to stack the box. So if they can figure out a way to just air it out a little bit, which I do not see them doing, to be honest, not yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. If they could figure out a way to stretch the defense a little bit, that running game will be that much more effective, thus leading to increased passing. Okay. So I think it's going to come down to the production of Trubisky and Nagy and how well they're able to gel. You, you know, it's a passing league. Mm-hmm. You can have all the players uh, on the outside. You can, you know, on the defensive back end, you could have the running backs. I mean, it, it's literally been a few years since a running back was even that a important except right. for maybe Ezekiel Elliott. How yeah, it's few and far between. It is few and far between these days. And there is no guarantee that that backfield is going to produce uh, the amount of production or mm-hmm. numbers that they did last year. Who's to say? Yeah, that's right. And in our, I do something, again, in the Almanac, I do something called kind of a, an opportunity ranking. And what that means is, you know, how many touches are you going to get? Not only, and, and this isn't, what, what's a little bit different is, we don't look at what the player has done in the past. We examine the offensive system and we look to see, okay, well, what, what are the touches? How are they going to be divided? You know, what is the typical play calling here? And when we look at Cohen and Howard, it's, it's a little bit murky from a fantasy perspective because Cohen is electric in the passing game. He's a great uh, point per, per, per reception PPR. He's a great PPR receiver. Um, or running back, I should say. Howard is going to be a great running back, and we've heard uh, some some comments that they are going to use him as a workhorse running back, you know, a bell cow, whatever you want to call it. I do think there's going to be some split here. I have Howard. I think he's going to have a good season, but the effect of a, of a lack or a weaker passing game, like Brad was saying, um, combined with you know a little bit of that sh- that split, I think that Howard is probably going to be in the middle tier of running backs. I think against running back ones, I have him ranked um, around twelfth in terms of opportunity, and then. Uh, for Tarek Cohen, you know, he's going to be, to me, he's going to be a daily fantasy guy. Um, you, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to check to see if he's playing a team that gives up a lot of screen yards. If if they have a weak, you know, if the, his teams or if his opponent's defense has a weakness in slot or over the middle uh, pass protection or swing routes, that's where he's going to get um, give you value. But would I waste a roster spot on him? I don't think I would, even in a PPR league. Um, maybe he's worth a bench spot, but I would only play him uh, when I need to or when a matchup is very favorable. Uh, but again, you know, as Brad and I, as we get into these episodes, we'll be identifying those matchups for you, and we'll we'll be able to flag, hey, this is a guy you want to look at as a daily fantasy sleeper, or if you're in need for a spot start in your fantasy roster, you might want to look at Cohen or, or whoever it might be. Another note here, uh, something that's not getting a ton of publicity yet, although I think the hype train is going to start to go crazy on him, is Trey Burton, the tight end that was signed from Philadelphia. 
what's intriguing here from a fantasy point of view is Burton uh, comes from Doug Peterson's system. Uh, Doug Peterson and Nagy coach together at Kansas City, and they all run that Andy Reid tree. And we know that you know Zach Ertz in Philadelphia, um, uh, you have Kelsey in Kansas City. Chicago is going to want that tight end to be able to run the seam routes, to be able to be used as a weapon. And the Bears, you know, they have some young guys in there, but it's really looking like Burton is going to be that guy. So I wouldn't call him a sleeper candidate, but he's definitely somebody you're going to want to watch out for. I could definitely see him exploding, and I think he's going to be a week one darling in Daily Fantasy. Listen, Sean, you know, I I want to tell the audience, first and foremost, that I don't want to come across as a homer. Yes, I am a Packers fan, and it may seem like I am going to dog the Bears at any any chance, but that is not what I'm here to do. (laughs) Okay, you know me. I am the ultimate realist. The ultimate realist leading to the ultimate pessimist. Okay. If there's anybody <laughs> negative about their own brand, it's me. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about Trey Burton. All right. Five seasons, 63 catches. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can figure out that average for his entire career. Right. All right. So, you know, he's playing with this newborn offense. He's getting passes from Mitch T. Okay. So, how can we say he's a sleeper? I mean, sure, it's possible. But then again, if that's possible, then anybody on any other roster has a shot to break out, okay? And it does happen every single year. It's possible, okay? Brad, 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 this is a universe of possibility, man. You need to be okay. more positive. <laughs> now, I'm too old to be positive, okay? <laughs> All right? Can, but can we assume with any degree of accuracy that Trey Burton, 63 catches lifetime, is all of a sudden going to light the world on fire? Okay, so if he's getting passes thrown to him from uh, Drew Bees, <laughs> Rivers, okay, maybe even Eli, I'd give you Rogers, what have you, then I'd say that the odds increase. But right now, I don't see it. It seems like the ultimate Hail Mary. Okay, so th- that's a very good point. And it's a very good question. So let me let me give you the counter argument, okay? Um Trubisky, or I'm sorry, uh, Trey Burton comes over from Philadelphia. Now, yeah, he's only had what you said was 63 receptions career. Five yeah. years. But you got to remember, okay, so he had a Chip Kelly coaching, um, you know, a few years ago, and he's had Doug Peterson. Then the Chip Kelly years, Zach Ertz wasn't even getting as many receptions as he's getting now because it, um, um, Kelly liked starting Selleck because of his blocking ability. And, and Ertz was viewed more as a receiver, so he was a package player. And so he had a, a guy who Kelly favored, you know, rightly or wrongly, whatever you want to say about it, uh, in front of him in the depth chart. And he had Zach Ertz, who we all know is a beast, a fantasy beast ahead of him. Now, um, okay. I, I think that explains the, the low reception, but definitely a point taken. Um, if you look at, to me, if, if you look at last year when he started to kind of assert himself, you did see an uptick in production, which I think is a good thing. It, it, it's a positive thing if you're trying to project value. But then uh, I think most importantly, um, there are two key points. You, you say Trubisky's throwing to him, right? And you say right. that, um, and fairly, you say that as, you know, that's something to be concerned about. I take another point of view with younger quarterbacks. When you have a young quarterback, you know, I, I'm not saying that Allen Robinson, who they signed in free agency, is going to have a big year. I'm not saying that, you know, um, Inman or, or Gabriel or Kevin White, if he's healthy, I'm not saying they're going to have big years. But for a quarterback, um, and I experienced this in the RG3 years when I was still, you know, really heavy into the Redskins watching, they rely on tight ends and they rely on running backs. 
they rely on hitting you know these small and intermediate routes. Um, they rely on you know going over the middle rather than trying to go over the top. Um, so to me, I, I think that Burton's upside is probably. I think you know Howard is my favorite in terms of you know position relatability. I think Howard's going to have the best performance you know with respect to his position. Uh, Burton, I think, will probably be second on the team because of the opportunity. And you know, I'm not saying Burton's a world beater, but what I'm saying is I think he's going to win that starting job, and because of that, he's going to get you know upwards of 100 targets this year. And if he gets 100 targets, well, shoot, if he catches 50 of those targets, it's not great, but he's still getting 50 catches. It's probably 500 yards and, you know, four to five touchdowns. So it's a, it's a pretty reasonable um, floor for him, I think. Okay, so it is possible. I will give you that, that a nice safety net for a young QB um, who's having issues with the game being too fast, uh, isn't quite comfortable. Uh, a tight end, um, short routes can be very effective. Um how long is that going to last and how far is that going to get them? And if we're looking at it, and again, I'm not trying to poo-poo the Bears. I just do not see good <laughs> things from them, okay? I'm not trying to Winnie the Pooh the Bears. But if you're asking me from a fantasy standpoint, okay, this offense sounds like the worst fantasy of all time, right? <laughs> It's like you're having a fantasy about some chicks and a dude shows up. It's the worst fantasy. And you say, get the hell out of here. What are you doing here? Fantasy ruined. Not that that's ever happened to me. But well, it's it happened to me, but I'm like, hey, man, finally a guy shows yeah. up. <laughs> finally, we can spice finally, things up. Finally. I've been waiting for you. Oh, hello. Yes, yes. And usually you know, you're the guy. That's the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> we can make that a reality show. Oh, yes. I'm coming yes. to you. Maybe someday. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Point taken. Uh, in terms of the receivers, I mentioned before, you know, I'm, I'm not big on the receivers and I, I agree with Brad. I, I don't think that uh, the receivers are going to be going over the top this season. And even if you look at the Kansas City uh, offensive output, really in the last few years, it's been Hill and a bunch of other guys. You know, I think Robinson will probably be the primary guy. He's going to be worth a roster spot, but I'm going to avoid all the other guys. You know, I might put Kevin White as a as a flyer, put him on my watch list because if he's healthy, you know, we don't know what he can do yet. We know he was drafted in the first round, has a ton of potential, but you know, he does have to have somebody accurate throwing him the ball, and you know, we're going to have to wait and see. So, next team, man. Another coaching change, the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia's taking over the team. I don't know, man. I'm hot and cold on this one. What do you think, Brad? I like this a lot for them. I do. You know, if there's, you know, if you ask me what is the one thing that Detroit has been missing <clears throat> for the past, Jesus, 20, 30 years, um, you know, a, a little bit ago, I would have responded talent. But for the past 10 years, <laughs> That hasn't been the case. <laughs> I'm not trying to be. Um, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't trying to make a joke. But they didn't have the talent for a while. They were bums. But for the past ten years, yep. they have had some players. Okay, and they always ended up. Oh, there's the Lions again. Right. This is what the Lions do. At the end of the day, they're still the Lions. Um, I don't even think they have a playoff win in this decade. Uh, maybe there's one in there, but I really do think it's zero. So, so if you're going to ask me, what is the one thing that they don't have? It is a culture and an attitude of winning. Okay. And right now they have a guy at the helm that all he knows is winning. 
okay? And he is going to bring that discipline, that attitude, and I think he's going to create the culture that Detroit has needed for quite some time, and I expect big things out of them. Yeah, the... I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I, I tend to slant more towards if you're going to make a hire, hire the offensive guy. And I do that because I like aggressiveness. Now, there's one caveat to that. I like a good defensive hire if they're going to, you know, if they're not going to do, do the John Fox thing. And John Fo- the John Fox thing is kind of like the Tony Dungy thing where you just assume that your defense is only going to give up 13 points a game. And so you're happy to win a game 16 to 13. Um, you're not going to get that uh, with Matt Patricia because they they kept my favorite coaching name, uh, Jim Bob Cooter, has been yeah. retained. Uh, so that offensive system is going to be retained. I would think that with Patricia's influence, we'll probably see a little bit more running. I mean, they, they pass the ball way too much. And, and Stafford, you know, I'm not a big Stafford guy. Um, you know, I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's elite. And I don't think anybody would even make that argument anymore, thankfully. Thankfully, I don't have, those, have to have those conversations. But... Even if you're, well, let's say everybody except for, say, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, everybody without those those two pedigrees, you need to have a balance in the system. And I'm not saying it has to be 50-50. I'm not even saying it has to be like 55-45. But you need to be able to run the ball at least 40% of the time. And if you're not, then really all you're doing is you're giving the opposing defense a way to game plan um, around your tendencies. You have to have some kind of unpredictability uh to to really assert your will on on uh, an opposing defense and you know bat patricia i think uh, combined with the aggressive play calling of, of jim bob cooter i think is a winning combination my only hesitation only hesitation is that there has never been a successful hire in the belichick tree I did not know that. Yeah. You know, I, I would have to agree with you on all points there. You know, I'm not a, you know, if there's worse quarterbacks than Matt Stafford and he puts up amazing stats year in and year out, um, is there value to those stats? You know, it's hard to say, uh, airing it out too much, maybe playing from behind at the end of the day, he hasn't won anything or accomplished anything other than stats. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's almost like, LeBron James is far more effective when he scores 26 rather than 46, right? right? The team is much better when he doesn't have to air it out all day long. And I think a guy uh, like Patricia is going to gonna bring that to them. Yeah, that's fair. And, and from a schematic point of view, again, it's kind of nice because even though there was a coaching change, you know, the, the, the primary offensive uh, people are going to be intact. So you have Stafford. I think what's going to happen, again, I think Patricia's going to have a little bit of influence. They added some running back talent in the offseason. They added um, um, Blunt. Uh, they've added uh, Kerryon Johnson as well uh, in the draft. And, you know, it added to what I think was uh, a talented but underutilized backfield with Theod Riddick and uh, Abdullah. I think that we're going to see a little bit more balance in the running game. However, I don't think um, I don't project any of those running backs to actually dominate carries. So I'm I'm looking at this from a purely a uh, PPR perspective, and I'm liking the the backs are going to be able to to catch the ball. Um, I think the goal line carries are going to split. I think the rushing attempts are going to split. But I do think that in terms of overall value for the team, um, like in terms of wins and losses, I think it will be a good thing. 
Um, receiving wise, you know, you have Stafford, you know, he's going to be able to throw the ball. Uh, and then you have Golden Tate, you have Marvin Jones, you have a, a talented uh, group of receivers behind him, TJ Jones. Um, you know, they have another guy, Galloway, Galladay, or something like that. Um, it, it's all good things. So I think, I think that we can assume that we'll see a similar production last year, but a little bit more efficiency. And to me, that means less interceptions uh, for Stafford. I think you know, that will boost his numbers. I think you might see a little bit less in terms of touchdown production, but I think the, the attempts that he's going to make are going to be more quality. So you might get more deep passes. You might get more receptions from the receivers. I absolutely agree, Sean. I think that, um, Patricia dials down the offense. He kind of hones it in. He makes it far more efficient as opposed to airing the rock out and, and being, uh, the type of show that we have seen from them. Um, I see Stafford's numbers dropping and team production increasing. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Uh, the defense, you know, it doesn't nothing to write home about the thing about the, the Patriots defense. And I went back and looked at uh, years of their output and they were, last year they gave up a ton of yards. They weren't really a great defensive team. They didn't give up a lot of points, um, which served them well, but they were a bent, don't break defense last year. And years past, um, again, you know, Belichick has his fingerprints all over this defense, uh, the Patriots defense, obviously. Uh, but they were actually a pretty good performing unit. So, you know, where you have the Bears that had a strong defensive team and they were coming in to try to breathe some life into the offense, you have the opposite situation. You have a good offense intact, and now really uh, Patricia's in there and he's trying to shave some points off the totals. Um, so that, again, they're going to be a very interesting team to watch, I think. That's why I'm, I'm really excited about this division. Um, you know, I don't think the Bears have a shot to to win the division uh, this season, but depending on you know Trubisky's ascension and Nagy's um, ability to to coach the the offense up, you know, I think they're they're gonna upset a few teams here and there. They're gonna be you know screwing up things at the end of the season, um, but maybe in two to three years they'll compete. Uh, the Lions, it, I don't think they're going to win the division, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, it wouldn't shock me either, Sean. Well said. Um, I, you know, they're going to be a good squad, in my opinion. Um, can they reach ten wins with the division they're in and the conference they're in? Um, I don't know. You know, I yeah. think that I think that ten wins is possible. Um, I think they're going to be a much better out, a, a far more efficient team than what we've seen from them, and. They have been pretty good the past couple of years. I mean, when Stafford can get hot, he can get it going, man, uh, you know, in such a way that not many guys can. Right. Look, is he the best quarterback in the league? No, of course not. Uh, maybe some people wouldn't even include him in their top 10. I probably would somewhere near the ninth or 10th. Um, but I, I do think that they're going to be uh, tough to contend with, and they better be in the NFC this year because it is loaded. Yeah. And, and that's actually, we should do, we should do a quarterback index you know, leading into the season when we're in training camp after we're done with the, the division uh, preview, that would be a good, that'd be a good segment. Um, so in, in terms of, in terms of schedule this year, so the skybook line for them over under wins is seven and a half. Now I mentioned before, I mentioned kind of the process the, the in terms of team talent, I think the Lions are at about 17, which isn't, you know, it's nothing to write home about, but it also means that they're going to be in a lot of games. 
But with the schedule, the way things line up for the Lions this year, that team talent gives them the advantage in about 10 games. It's it's either the advantage or equal value, right? right. Uh, in terms of quarterback, Stafford, they have the advantage in 10 games. Um, mm-hmm. So what we don't know is is how the coaching is going to impact that. Uh, I've never I've never been high on anybody from the Belichick tree just because there's never been evidence of somebody succeeding. But, you know, take that for what it's worth. I mean, you know, if Sean McVay came from the Belichick coaching tree. I think he would have succeeded. So I think it's just a circumstance and, and Patricia's his own man. So we'll see what happens. But I um, I'm not a big fan of betting the over because of, you know, for instance, last year with the Packers, if you bet the over um, when Aaron Rodgers went down, you're completely screwed. The over is completely contingent on the quarterback staying healthy. Um, so if you're confident that Stafford will play a full slate of games, I, I would say bet the over here. What do you about you, Brad? Uh, I'd say you're right on point, man. And uh, I would bet the over as well. Um, you said the over under was seven and a half. Is seven that correct? and a half. And they have the quarterback advantage in 10 games. 10 games. Okay. Equal and to a quarter- or greater than 10 games. I mean, this is my theory. Take it for what it's worth. You have the quarterback advantage in 10 games. You got to figure you win eight of those, okay? And then you win two other ones where you have the disadvantage, right? And then that gets you your 10 games right there. I would absolutely put the Lions down for the over. Yep, yep. All right, moving on to, oh gosh, Brad, can I do it? Like, do I need to give you a second to prepare here at the Green Bay Packers? Can we talk about I've them? been preparing for this for no, my entire life. No, here, <laughs> listen to me. Now, I'm glad you kind of qualified things with you're an eternal pessimist. And, and with the Redskins, I'm an, an eternal pessimist too. Uh, now, I was talking with the Wolf of Tarpon Springs, Ow. also known as Hayes. Oh. And I think he I think he had the Buccaneers going 16-0. and 0. Uh, winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> he is such he a won. homer. I love him to death. I can't wait to have him on when we uh, when we when we talk um, NFC South on this show. But uh, the Packers. So two big things, right? Uh, they they got rid of their coordinators. However, Joe Philbin had experience. He's been a coordinator for the Packers before. Aaron Rodgers knows him. It's still the McCarthy system. Not a lot's going to change there. And they're bringing in who somebody who I think should have had a job a long time ago. Again, you know, talking about Redskins pessimism, they could have hired Mike Pettin, but they passed on him. I'd yeah. love, love Mike Pettin as a defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts? Uh, I do as well. I am completely happy for the first time in 10 years with their off-season decisions. I have been screaming for them to get rid of Tim Thompson and Don Capers. I couldn't stand <laughs> yeah. the two of them. Right, Dom DeLuise Capers, they were the worst <laughs> duo that I had ever been a part of. And they have been literally responsible um, for watering down Aaron Rodgers' career if that's even possible. So we have made those changes, the off-season moves, um, you know, just making the moves in themselves because you remember uh, Ted Thompson would sit on his thumbs and never do anything. So just the fact that we made some moves (laughs) finally gives me some optimism. We made movements for the first time. We were like other teams. We tried to make ourselves better. Yeah. And for the first time in a long time, I'm happy with the direction the organization is headed. Uh, you kind of sound like an abused boyfriend or an abused girlfriend. Like, oh, I am. Oh, uh, you're 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 throwing out the R's like we and R and all that. You feel like you're really part of it. I think you're setting yourself up for a big fall this year, my man. Oh, listen, Sean, I'm a very sick person. Okay, I'll be the first to admit that. <laughs> I need help. 
Um, oh, yeah. I keep coming back to the torture, and yet I can't stop. It's it's my fate in life. I am a masochist uh, by nature. This is known. I think that's the curse of a sports fan. Um, unless you're like a front runner fan or a fair weather fan, uh, you know me. You know I, I finally, I finally. As I said on my other show, and we'll, we'll talk about the Redskins, I'm sure, um, you know, quite a bit with the NFC East. But as I said on my other show, I, I grew up a, a huge, just diehard Redskins fan. Um, within the last couple of years, the the poor ownership of, of Dan Snyder is just too much for me to handle. I finally, Brad, I finally moved out of our house. I haven't filed for divorce yet. <laughs> you know, I can't turn that page. But um, we're in a trial separation. Uh, the kids have visitation. We're on good terms. You know, I still you're, check in from time the to healing time. process. Yes. The healing process has begun, and I'm proud of you. Yes, yes. So now, um, you know, who do I root for? I root for my bets against the bookie. And um, and thankfully, I've had a couple of good seasons, so that's a good thing. Well said. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, Petten, love the move. I think finally they're going to have a little bit more aggression on defense. He's going to shore that up. You know, Petten, uh, Petten, I think, is downgraded a little bit in, in NFL circles because you know he worked for Rex Ryan quite a bit. But you think the thing you have to remember about Mike Petten is he was winning games as a head coach in Cleveland. Uh, well, was he winning games? I mean, how many games did the guy win as a head coach? How many games did they win last year? Right. <laughs> and I'm going to say he won games with Mr. Johnny Manziel. Okay, listen, you know, I'm optimistic only because we have a new machine. Okay, because the old one wasn't working. You understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not trying to dump on Petten. He could be amazing. But at least I know there is the possibility uh, of success because we have a new regime. So, you know, if you're asking me, are, are they going to set the world on fire? Are they going to be a top five defense? I don't know. Probably not. But yeah. maybe we, for the first time uh, since the Super Bowl year, <laughs> we, maybe the Packers, for the first time, <laughs> have a chance. Maybe we. <laughs> maybe we. <laughs> maybe we. I know it's sad. I know. I know. Everybody, I do, I do it, or I used to anyway. I did it too. I'm, I'm guilty. I shouldn't make fun. It's okay. It's It's been a, it's a, it's a habit, and it's, I'm too old to break it now. Um, if they can manage to be a top 10 defense, the sky will be the limit. Agreed. Agreed. If they can be a top 10 defense, I think they will be in the Super Bowl, And that's, that's the big if, but I, I'm, I'm with you, you know, Rogers, you still have years of prime left. And if Brady is, if, if Tom Brady and Drew Brees are any indication, you know, Rogers could have another 10 years, you know, just slinging it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I as a fantasy player, um, as a daily fantasy player, I'm not putting the Packers on my roster. I don't think they're there yet, but put them on your watch list. Um, you know, like I said, Petten runs a good aggressive defense. You're going to get you know, the big components with a de- team defense are sacks, turnovers, and of course, you know how Correct. many points you give up. And Petten has checked off those boxes in his career, so definitely to keep a lookout for them. You know, in terms of personnel, before we get into the to the line and the spread, you know, the the over under for the wins. I mean, let's be honest. It, Aaron Rodgers, if he's playing, he is one of the best two quarterbacks in the league. And I put Brady, um, the only other quarterback in his class, in terms of winning football games and producing fantasy uh, points. Um, You know, Brady, 
because of the age and you know Brady is although it's very slight he is starting to decline a bit I think Rodgers is is the best quarterback in the game and I am a little biased because of what we said earlier I was one of the first and I've always been on the Rodgers train so I take a little bit of pride because Brad like you said there are a lot of people throwing shade on me when I was when I was making those arguments so I'm, I'm just happy to see that he's doing so well in his career it gives me affirmation he does. He does. He uh, he makes you look good, man. And he makes uh, a team with not the most amount of talent and not the best coaching structure look good. You know, if you have Rodgers and you're going into a fight, you know, chances are you should win that fight. Yep. There's a couple games a year. Maybe you go into Carolina and Cam Newton gets hot. You know, you go into New England. That comes around every yep. so often. And you're not favored in that one. OK, but when you have that guy um, who is one of the best I've ever seen do it, I think we can all agree with that. Brady as well. OK, who's better? I don't know. But when you have that guy, all you really need is an average supporting cast. Like just give the guy like Something. just a little bit, you know, Yeah. as opposed to this, you know, 30th ranked defense and no running game whatsoever. Just give him a little bit and you see what happens because it happened in 2010. Yep, absolutely. In terms of receiving talent, I don't love that they let Nelson go. You know, I understand the business of it, but, you know, it, it, chemistry is a big thing. And Brad, you know me from a business perspective. I always like to kind of cut the veterans and, and get the young guys in, and, and, you know, if that far of to, to Rogers thing is any indication. But the, the Nelson and Rogers back shoulder um, chemistry is second to none. And they got so many stupid first downs on it. would be like third and 15 and they'd hit, they'd hit Jordy Nelson on the back shoulder. It'd be like fourth and goal from the nine and they hit Jordy Nelson on a back shoulder. I just, I don't love that move. Um, now there's going to be a lot of fantasy output, but in terms of wins and losses, that one's going to hurt. Uh, you know, Sean, I agree with you uh, on one point, and I and I have to disagree with you um, just a little bit. So, listen, it is my opinion that Jordy Nelson has been one of the most underrated receivers uh, for the past five, six years. I mean, the stuff that guy does in games is incredible. Um, he has been an amazing weapon. Uh, you know, he was Rogers' go-to. The back shoulder throw was impeccable. Okay. He's he's aged a little bit. And, you know, I have to say that that last year um, when what's that bomb that they were that they had in there? Uh, Hundley, the Hundle, when Brad Hundley was throwing the ball uh, for those eight games, I don't know what happened to Jordy. He either immediately got old or he was disinterested. He was the only one um, that wasn't really keeping up. Yep. And maybe it was just too big of a blow for him late on, you know, you know, on the back nine of his career. I'm not sure, but I love Jordy. He will be one of my favorite players of all time. But yeah, when it comes down Nelson, to business, Nelson, you know, I think it's and I noticed that same decline, believe me, you know, and I think I actually had Nelson on a, a fantasy roster too. Um, and his just value just went, you know, he was a it was different like, guy. Yeah, it was like the housing market in 2008. It's like, yeah, you're holding on to real estate, man. You're screwed. Yeah, and every, everybody around him was, was sweating it. It was almost like he was either too slow to do it or he didn't care enough to do it. It yeah. was a really bizarre thing. Uh, you know, so I would like to think that 
if he was good enough to keep up with the other guys on the roster, they would have absolutely kept him. So I, you know, I have to have a little bit of, of trust in the process. You don't just let go of a, a quality guy like that for a reason, because he's not a locker room headache, right? He's your best player's favorite teammate. I'm assuming one of them. So you wouldn't just let him go for no reason. Do you agree? Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But that does bring us to the situation. So there is a little bit of turnover. Uh, The offense is going to have a bit of transition. And now I think the unquestioned number one receiver is going to be DeFonte Adams. And I think he certainly in terms of opportunity this year, in terms of targets, uh, he has a great quarterback getting the ball. He should be have no problem being a top 10 fantasy wide receiver this year, unless he gets the case of the dropsies, which you know, we've, we've watched him have in, in years past last year. I think he did great. And especially with Hundley, you know, it, he played hard and he produced well, if he can have that same kind of output with Rogers throwing him the ball, he's going to be a stud. Devonta Adams is going to set the world on fire this year. You watch, you know, he, I could not stand him his first year and a half to two <laughs> yeah. years. He dropped so many balls, and it was like he wouldn't just drop the ball. He would drop the ball in the biggest moments, and it was mental. It was almost like um, guys like you and I were paying him to to affect the spread. Um, he got through that, <laughs> right? And I thought it's just like when, when anybody starts off doing anything, like we said at the beginning of our show, you know, you got to go through going pains, all right? And he went through them, and last year he was just amazing. And I look for that to continue this year. He blossomed. He did. Beautiful. Like a young flower. Uh, yes. Wonderful. He's a little tulip. He's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Randall Cobb, he's getting older. I, I don't, I mean, I think he's, I definitely think he's worth a roster spot. He's going to be a flex play week. I don't think he's going to be, you know, full-time starter in fantasy, but he's going to be one of those daily fantasy week-to-week matchup guys. Um I just he's one of the he's he's going to produce he's going to get points um, he's going to be on the field uh, for the bulk of the snaps for the Packers but he's getting older man he's starting to show his age a little bit uh, you know what I would agree I have never been um, I've never been a Randall Cobb guy you know if you got three amazing receivers and then you can put him at number four sometimes and you know he's lined up in the slot and he's running around wreaking havoc. Uh, little out routes, you know, I give him the nod. Um, I, you know, I'm biased, I guess. I don't like my wide receivers short. I just don't. And I don't like my running backs fat. And when we had Eddie Lacy and he couldn't get his fat ass past the line of scrimmage, it didn't make any sense to me. Have you ever heard of such a thing? So I've never been a Cobb guy. I would rather see somebody younger with more raw talent that's five inches taller and, you know, 10 more inches of wingspan. So wide receiver three, who do you think is going to win that job? I, I, Geronimo Allison and Jamon Moore I have is, is kind of my favorites to win those job, uh, that job. But what do you think, Brett? I'd love to see Geronimo Allison. That guy has been amazing in big moments. That is a big play receiver. He seems to have the knack for big moments. Now, last year against Carolina, when Rodgers was staging the comeback, he had the fumble. And that was a big one. But that was the one blemish on an otherwise impeccable showing for the past two seasons. I see big things out of Geronimo. By the way, to the viewers at home, if you have not yet, please Google Geronimo Allison tweets. They are some of the most ludicrous, amazing things you will ever read. (laughs) Just trust me on that. 
I'll have to add him to my feed. And you know, it, it's it's hard to root against a guy named Geronimo. Um, so I'm looking forward to him breaking out if if absolutely if, if he can. Uh, meet or exceed your expectations, Brett. Now uh, that brings us to Jimmy Graham, uh, which I know you're you're excited about. So let me just let you kind of explode on the podcast. Uh, you know what? I'm going to explode all over this podcast. I I do love the Jimmy Graham pickup. Is he on? You know, to use this analogy one more time, the back nine of his career for sure. But all you know, all it takes is a new set of clubs sometimes. That being Aaron Rodgers, you know, you get a big free wood and you're you're hitting them deep again. Right. Anything to reinvigorate the guy. Uh, I think it's going to be seamless if he can manage to stay healthy. He seems like a very smart individual. He's going to know his assignments. And I think uh, a guy like him and a guy like Rodgers can have, um, you know, they can be simpatico for sure. You know, Graham, so obviously with the Saints, he was phenomenal. And that trade to Seattle, I generally, as a fantasy player, I've come off of this in recent years. You know, there's Russell Wilson's great in Seattle. But for years, um, Seattle was the place where pass catchers went to die. Uh, for you know, sure. They would go and they, they would they would go there with a lot of hype and then they just would never produce. And so, you know, much like, you know, what I used to do with the Patriots running backs where I would just avoid them in the fantasy drafts, I would just avoid and just take um, um, Seattle Seahawks receivers off of my list. Now, that's different, especially with Daily Fantasy now. I, I'm a lot more plugged into that group. Um, but the thing that really uh, gives me excitement, I think, for, for the Packers is he was still producing on that team last year, Jimmy Graham. And the Seahawks, we'll get into this when we get into the NFC West, but they had no offensive line and no running game. And so teams were just, you know, teeing off. They're rushing the passer and they were dropping people into coverage and they were getting to Wilson. Wilson was always running for his life. Um, and then, you know, he had a, Jimmy Graham. They knew that they were, you know, going to be throwing to the ball to him as well as, um, you know, their other receiver there. Uh, not Tate, not Golden Tate. He's gone now. Um, Baldwin. Yeah, they were throwing basically to those two guys, and they spread it out to Richardson and whatever. But but the fact that Jimmy Graham was able to produce solid numbers, consistent numbers on that team, I think he's going to have a big year in Green Bay. And Green Bay, you know, they they haven't had a talented tight end in a number of years. Probably the, the last time they did have one was Jermichael Finley. And Brad, I know you know that um, I was never high on Finley. I always thought that he dropped the ball in crucial moments. He talked a little bit too much about how good he was. I never, especially as a fantasy player, I never really saw top line value. You know, people were talking about him like he was Kelsey or Gronk, but, you know, he was more like a middle of the pack guy to me. Listen, you know, I need to say this to to start. We got to give a little bit of a nod to Russell Wilson. That guy, he's oh like gosh. a he's like a wizard. He he's is. a magician. I've never seen anybody with that style of play um, pull stuff out of a hat like he can. Um just incredible. That being said, is it any wonder that, um, sorry, this is his, the tight end for the Packers, Jimmy Graham, 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 that his numbers, um, you know, were reduced in Seattle because like you said, they had nothing going. Uh, it was a hodgepodge, you know, it wasn't like three steps back and sling the ball. Okay. That wasn't the system. It was just willy nilly. And, you know, even, even in that system, he was able to produce at times and be effective. Um, he is uh, Jimmy Graham, the biggest tight end that the Packers have had um, in a long time. Um, you know, Jermichael Finley, you know, he was all talk and all hype. And he would 
just dropped the ball in big situations. Yep. He was one of the most frustrating players I've watched. He was like Terrell Buckley. Remember him when he came out? He yep. was, you know, he was like the poor man's Deion Sanders. But he wasn't just the poor man's Deion. He was like the homeless version. You know, he was bankrupt. <laughs> and that was like Jermichael Finley. I mean, just. Rodgers, and I don't know if he would do this on purpose, but he would often go to him the very first play of each game. I swear he did it multiple times. And it was like every time, doink, right off the hands. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I don't like the fact that he got injured and carted off the field. I was at that game. Yeah. Um, I saw that one live. Um, that's, that's not cool. You don't want that for anybody. But I was definitely not a Finley guy. Yeah. Um, so over to the over-under. So Skybook has their over-under right at 10. Uh, in my uh, talent index, now, I, I don't think Green Bay has a talented, a, a super talented roster. Of course, they have the best quarterback, in my opinion, in the league, so that counteracts that quite a bit. But the rest of the team, you know, you kind of see maybe a little bit of what the Colts went through um, with Peyton Manning. It's like you have that talent. And we experienced it last year when Rodgers went down, too. It's like you kind of saw where that team was at. Um, they didn't really have any fight left in them. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think they have a ton of talent. Now, I think their coaching has improved quite a bit, so we're going to see that. And, of course, Rodgers, like you said, keeps them in every game. They do play the Patriots this year, so in my opinion, you know, that's an equal. Um, but in every other game, they have the quarterback advantage, and that speaks to something. So I have them at a 15, a score of 15 for quarterback advantage. Um, you can make the argument 16-2 um, if that's an equal. And I have them in talent only having the advantage in seven of those games. So, you know, if I add those up and average them out, I project an 11-win season. So I'm on the over, but I'm, you know, I'm right on that line. What do you about you, Brad? Uh, you know, I have to I have to agree with you on the talent, except they have made some changes uh, to the defensive backfield, which I think are going to be very promising. Uh, they have a lot of young talent. Uh, who knows how they're going to be? Uh, I am optimistic, like I said, for the first time in a while. Um, you know, if you have Aaron Rodgers and if we can assume that he's going to stay healthy, uh, there is no reason why he can't win 12 games. You know, that's that's a, a, a big stretch considering that they're in the NFC and there is so much talent. Um, if the over under is 10, I would have to put them at 11. I would go with the over as well. All right, and over to Minnesota. So this is an, another th interesting thing about this division is every single team has changed a coordinator, at least one. Uh, so a lot of coaching changes. Now, Pat Shermer, who I have been high on for years, has gone over to New York. I think he's going to do a fantastic job there. Uh, he was winning games and being competitive uh, in Cleveland when he was the head coach, you know, with Colt McCoy and Brandon Whedon at quarterback. You know, he was the last. You know, Petten won some games and he won some games. And then, you know, those two are gone and all of a sudden the, the Browns can't win a game at all. Uh, but John Filippo being hired uh, in Pat Shermer's uh, vacancy, you know, is – is kind of a eh, yeah, to me. He doesn't pop to me. And I'll tell you a story, Brad. When I was in maybe sixth or seventh grade, I don't know if your your school did this, but our school would give us some candy bars to sell. Uh -huh. And we always it was all for charity, but we had some incentive to sell these candy bars. And the incentive was, you know, if you if you sell four bars, then you get to go to a show, and we're gonna have you know a, a professionally signed music musician, music group to come. And so we were all, you know, me and, you know, um, our friend Eric, you know, we were selling, all my friends sold them. We all sold like the four that we had to get and we got our ticket. 
Um, and I might even have sold a couple to myself just so I could get that ticket. And we were trying to think like, who's going to be there? You know, cause we're idiots. We're like, who's going to be, it's going to be green day. It's going to be Weezer. Like who's going to come to our stupid, um, middle school to do this concert. And lo and behold, it was a very, very young backstreet boys. <laughs> so, Amazing. so I won't go into a ton of analysis on DiFilippo. I will say that he's been a coordinator before. Uh, he actually coordinated oddly enough for Mike Pettin, um, during one of his seasons in Cleveland. Um, I don't, from a fantasy perspective, I don't love the hire because it it really does make the situation murky. Last year and coming to this season, we knew that Stefan Dig Stefan Diggs was was going to be big. We knew that Adam Thielen was going to produce Kyle Rudolph, um, and we knew that Dalvin Cook, after we saw him pop in those first you know four games before he blew his knee out, was going to pop as well. But DiFilippo has a history of running by committee, and so it, it gives me a little bit of hesitation on pumping Dalvin Cook up, who I think Dalvin Cook, when healthy, is a definite three-down back, but I don't know that he'll be leveraged as a bell cow back with uh, Murray still there in the backfield. Now, I'm still high on Cook, but I had to downgrade him in my tier. Like We have a draft guide in this almanac as well that identifies players by tiers and kind of gives you and, and any new people or any people that want to try to draft from a competitive advantage point of view. Um, I dropped Cook in my tier because we don't know what's going to happen uh, with that split. But what I do like is the potential of Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. Uh, those two players, I think, will be able to produce in any system. Uh, they are a dynamic one-two punch. And just like Cincinnati when they had uh, Hushmanzada and Ocho Cinco, I mean, one guy, uh, you know, lessens the coverage from the other guy. It's kind of like in baseball when you have, you know, somebody that's a really strong hitter, you know, backing up and, and coming behind your uh, your cleanup batter. It's you know, having two strong receivers like that is only going to make the offense that more stronger. Sean, I love the wide receiver combo, and I'm a big fan of Stefan Diggs. I think he has a lot of talent. I think he's a very bright guy, and I think he is very explosive. He was close to 1,000 yards last year, and I think with the insertion of Cousins, it's going to be that much more this year, and I expect big things from here, from him. Yeah, and you know, last year, and I, I don't have the totals in front of me, but I think that Thielen actually scored more from a fantasy perspective. And, and I'm with you, Brad. I think that Diggs is the the thing that makes that offense go. And Correct. I mentioned uh, Ocho Cinco and Hushmanzada. You know, I call it the Hushmanzada effect. And my brother and I used to have arguments about you know how good of a player TJ Hushmanzada was. And I I had I owned Hushmanzada on my roster, and I said, look, man, I don't care if Ocho Cinco is the better player. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. The fact is Hushmanzada produces. It doesn't and, work without Hushmanzada. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so Thielen might this year, I don't, I, I wouldn't draft him ahead. I have the two receivers, uh, very, very closely ranked in terms of both opportunity and fancy output, but I, it wouldn't shock me if Thielen, um, was a little bit better, but I think both of them, you know, are in line to be top 10 to top 15 receivers, um, and with potential to certainly go upward from there. And like I you said, sure. Brad, they have they have cousins. So what is what are your thoughts on cousins coming into the division? Listen, in, in recent times, you have heard me dump on cousins, but only from one standpoint. OK, my argument was Kirk Cousins is not the guy. Do you understand? And if you pay him any amount of money like he is the guy, you are going to hamstring your team. OK, mm-hmm. and you're never going to get anywhere with that strategy. OK, but. 
If you take a guy like Cousins and put him on a squad with an impeccable roster and talent around him on the outside, on the inside, on the defensive um, defensive end of the ball, it, I think sky's the limit for them. And I, I really see them as a big threat in the NFC. I think that Cousins, you know, there's one thing we know about Cousins is he doesn't lack for confidence. And the game is not too big from him for him, you know, you know, much like it would be for other guys. Um, sometimes the game is even too big for Cam Newton. I don't ever see that from him. Do I think he's the guy? No, but I think he can have a lot of success in a talent loaded roster. So I've been even even as I've been, you know, and I, and I go through my child separation with the Redskins. I still do watch the Redskins weekly. Um, it's just now that when they lose, I don't care. So but I, I, nice I know. Yeah, I know Cousins quite well. Uh, you know, I've watched him and and you and I have had the arguments and and my argument for cousins was, well, it's the Redskins. What quarterback have they had? And when you look at it through the lens that you do of, of having, you know, 20 straight, 30 straight years of, of Favre into Rogers, I mean, yeah, you can say, you know, cousins doesn't have it, but when you're a team like Washington, who, who hasn't had a quarterback, um, you know, and of course I knew the Redskins would, would screw it up and they did. But Cousins has talent, and like you said, Brad, when you surround him with weapons, and Minnesota has one of the best rosters in the league, he can produce. And, and so it's going to come down to play calling. Can DiFilippo, um, you know, get this offense going? You know, maybe he comes over from Philadelphia after his his stint with Cleveland. He spent some time with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia, so that's that's good. He's you know added, I'm sure, some tips and tricks to his playbook. Um, and to be fair, DiFilippo, while he hasn't had a, a while he didn't have a ton of success with Mike Pettin, again, that was the Manziel year. So Kurt Cousins is definitely better than than Johnny Manziel. Um, I will disagree slightly, you know, with the gamer. I mean, he does have a lot of confidence. I saw him in that Packers playoff game a couple years ago uh, when you and I were mortal enemies for about four hours. You know, Cousins had the yips. It reminded me a little bit of Peyton Manning. And I saw that too, I think the season after that, when they lost their week 17 game to the Giants. It was effectively a win in your end situation. And they lost to a bad Giants team. It was like 10 to 3. They couldn't even get a first down. And those concern me from, you know, a competitive point of view for the Vikings. You know, to me, if you're Minnesota and you're playing uh, New Orleans, uh, in the NFC Championship, or you're playing Green Bay in the NFC Championship, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know that he's an upgrade over Case Keenum. But you know, the counter to that is Pat Shermer is gone, and Case Keenum was just another quarterback. So, you know, I, I think the move was interesting. the The money was quite a bit, but it's only a, a three year commitment. And if you know, that's what their Super Bowl window is basically. So they're basically just saying, "Hey, Kirk's, Kirk's our guy." Let me say this. My prediction, I don't think we hear from Case Keenum for the rest of our lifetimes. I don't think he goes somewhere else and leads any squad. He's never going to do anything. Um, He had success because this roster was so talented. Okay, and if you're going to ask me if Kirk Cousins is better than than Case Keenum, I'm going to say yes. Maybe not uh, a dramatic amount, okay? But yes, he is a little better. Now, I would agree with you. He had the yips in that playoff game um, against the Packers. Um, but I I think that was maybe his first playoff game. So that it was. A, that it was. was a big deal. So, you know, these guys, they have to go through those moments. Much like the, the theme of this podcast, um, you have to – 
be a little shitty first before you can evolve. So I think that he'll, you know, he had to go through that, you know, much like other very, very successful quarterbacks have. Listen, you know, I find myself all of a sudden in a position to stick up for the guy. I don't think he's amazing. I don't think he's top 10. Okay. I think you could do a hell of a lot worse. And I think if you surround him and give him the structure, he can do very good things. Yeah, just one quick teaser, I guess, for the AFC West episode when we do that. Keenum, I agree, you want to surround him with talent, but he does go to a Denver team that has uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders uh, at the receiving position. Uh, We'll see what happens with the play calling and and quarterback, but we'll dig into that when we get to that episode. Um, I'm with you, Brad. You know, I I think there will be a successful regular season team. Um, You know, to me, I've just been I've always been such a fan of Pat Shermer and I put a lot of weight into coaching ability. I do think, you know, no disrespect to to DiFilippo. I I just don't have enough of a book on him. And my opinion of Shermer is so high. I do see, in my opinion, the Vikings taking a little bit of a step back this year, um, similar to how Atlanta took a step back to, to Kyle Shanahan. It's like, you know, when you have such a successful offense and such a smart coach, when they move from the coordinator level to their head coaching jobs, you know, um, um, Sarkeesian did a, did a fine job with Atlanta, but it's hard, it's hard to live up, to, you know, into that shadow. And DeFilippo is, I think we're going to see a little bit of that season. Not that he's a bad guy, not that, you know, Minnesota is screwed for hiring him or anything, but it will be an interesting 2018, uh, which brings me to my skybook odds. Uh, they are 10 and a half wins, um, for the season, uh, according to skybook. So are you on the over or are you on the under Brad? You know, not to talk both sides uh, of my mouth, I would put them on the under because I would have to agree with you that to produce that type of production for two years in a row, um, it's very difficult, uh, especially when you don't have the guy at quarterback. Now, listen, 10 games is nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, that'll more than likely get you into the playoffs where you can do much damage. Um, I don't see them being a 12-win team. Um, I think maybe even 11 is asking a little bit too much um, from a younger squad. Um, I would put them at 10, however. Yeah, and looking at the talent, they have a talented roster. I see them having a talent um, advantage or equal to in 13 of the games. The quarterback, in terms of you know Kirk Cousins' talent, I don't know. I tend to think that you know Gruden in Washington put him in a lot of very good positions. I have their quarterback um, advantage at. Sorry, I have their quarterback advantage at about six games. So to me, they're out at about nine and a half games for me. So I'm actually on the under on this one as well. Um, and if you look at the composite here, that would actually mean that I have the Packers as the favorites to win the division at 11 wins, and then I have a surprise. I have the Lions at 10 wins to finish second. Um, I have the Vikings at nine and a half games to finish third. And then we have, you know, the Bears just not really challenging this year. They're a little bit too young and inexperienced um, at, uh, at what, six and a half wins. Correct. Yep. So uh, this is one of these divisions. It's such a strong division and it's such a strong conference. Three teams could make the playoffs. Maybe one team makes the playoffs. I don't know. Right. My favorite, my personal favorite division and it's, it's hard to choose. It's like choosing between your kids for crying out loud. But I think the best division is going to be the NFC West. But again, I, I think the NFC West could give you three playoff teams with San Francisco making a run, Los Angeles and Seattle. 
I think the um, the NFC South could make a run for three teams. I love Atlanta and New Orleans this year. I th- I do think both of those teams will be in the playoffs. And Carolina, you never know. You know, people always count them out, but they're always winning games. And then in the uh, NFC East, I don't think three teams would make the playoffs, but I love the Cowboys and I love the Eagles. It's like, I, I don't know how we're only going to get down to six teams by the end of the year, but we'll figure it out. I think we're going to see a lot of nine and seven this season from really good teams because the conference is that stacked. Yeah, I agree. The conference is absolutely loaded this year. Um, I will say this. I see a, a big drop in production from the NFC South. Uh, I'm not a Winston guy. I'm not a Cam guy. Uh, I think New Orleans takes a step back this year. I love Breeze, but something tells me that eventually there's going to be a, a dip in production. Um, and the fourth team, um, who am I missing? Atlanta. Atlanta, I think they take a step back as well. I don't think that they even uh, sniffed the playoffs this year. Uh, but besides that, I think uh, <clears throat> I think the conference is very, very loaded, and uh, it's going to be a dogfight. Excellent. Yeah, so I think that concludes this episode. I think Brad and I will be back uh, same time, same place next week. Uh, I believe we're going to start and go back, peel back east. We'll start with the AFC East uh, next week, and we'll work our way through the divisions week by week. I appreciate it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. Definitely visit the website. It's functionalsportsaholic.com. Uh, just, um, it, it's, it's sportsaholic with an A, S-P-O-R-T-S-A-holic.com. Uh, then we have Twitter. I'm at TFS underscore Sean. That's S-E-A-N. I like to confuse people with spellings. Definitely follow the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. There's a ton of shows. Um, I would highly recommend the Functional Sportsaholic Podcast. Uh, but seriously, there's a there's a ton of stuff on there. Um, so give them a listen. They always have great guests. They always have great content. And there's a, there's a show in there for everybody. So whatever your sports discipline is, they'll have something for you. So with that said, Brad, do you have anything else for us, my man? It was a pleasure to be here with you, Sean. Thank you to everybody listening. And let's get paid. Let's get paid.